Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Welcome back. Tom Hartman here with you. A lot of people around the country are asking the question, how did this election get so close? I thought the polls showed that Democrats were way ahead of Republicans all across the country and that Joe Biden was walking away with it, beating Donald Trump by 10 points. What the hell happened? It was showing this in Georgia. It was showing this in Nevada. It was showing this all over the country. What's going on? Greg Pallast is on the line with us, investigative journalist, author of How Trump Stole 2020, gregpallast.com, P-A-L-A-S-T.com, of course, his website and his Twitter handle, like mine's got an underscore in it, Greg underscore Pallast. Greg, welcome back. Tell us, why is it that in these states where the polls show Democrats winning overwhelmingly, the actual vote count is showing a damn tight race? Well, because the Democrats did win overwhelmingly if you count all the votes and let all the voters vote. So, for example, in Georgia, just looking at the numbers, Trump's ahead by 14,000 votes, but 50,000 votes have yet to be counted in Atlanta. So, you know, he should be pulling away with it in the end if they don't challenge those votes. Remember, what's left are mail-in ballots, and about one in five get uh, challenged. Now, whether that right. those challenges will succeed, I don't know. But, but here's the thing. Stop rending your cloth. Stop crying, pollsters. You got it right. It was a blue wave. They just didn't let everyone vote who should. For, for example, my report for the ACLU said 198,351 voters, nearly 200 grand of voters, were blocked from the voter rolls illegally. That made the difference. The purges were massive. The only reason why I missed in Wisconsin... Yeah, in Georgia, 198,000 illegally removed. We've talked, you know, famously about Martin Luther King's 92-year-old cousin among them. And I said wrongly removed. You know, we checked. And, you know, this could cost the Senate because Ossoff, John Ossoff, should be winning, walking away in Georgia. And it's a nail-biter. I think he's going to fall short. They're going to make sure he falls short. In North Carolina, we had massive Massive purges of the voter rolls in North Carolina. 313,000 taken out in Michigan. That's why that was a squeaker. Why should it be a squeaker? You've got Motown there. You've got the UAW. It shouldn't be a squeaker. So it's about blocking voters from voting is number one and not counting ballots. You know, Tom, when I'm with BBC, 
And we report an election in Britain. You say 500 votes for the Tories, 700 for Labour, and 26 ballots were not counted for the following reasons. We don't have any of that discussion of the ballots not counted and the people blocked from voting. You know, four years ago, we had 925,000 provisional ballots thrown in the garbage. I didn't remember a single report from the media. And when they're doing the polling, they don't account for those votes that are not counted. They, you know, the exit pollsters ask, so, did you vote? They can't ask you, did your vote count? They don't know. Right. So in Georgia, for example, somebody goes to vote. They're told, sorry, you're not on the voter rolls, but the 2002 Help America Vote Act requires me to give you a ballot. So here is a provisional ballot. The person votes the provisional ballot, hands it back in, thinks that they voted. They walk out, talk to the exit pollster, tell them that they voted. What happens to that provisional ballot? Well, the chance about 40% that it's going to be thrown in the garbage. And if you're not on the voter rolls, like Mrs. Christine Jordan, I did suggest she go back and at least fill out a provisional ballot, but it was not counted. This is the problem. You have these political hacks, like in Georgia, Brad Raffensperger, that's really his name, Mr. Perger, and they are violently, ethnically cleansing the voter rolls. And by the way, the only reason why Biden has Wisconsin, and the only reason he may end up being president, is because of... Mandela Barnes, the Democratic lieutenant governor, who raised hell about massive illegal purges that were about to happen in Wisconsin. The legislature required the state to remove 129,000 voters. My team, Mandela Barnes, brought us in. My team went through the list. We found it was a phony list. The state said, we are not going to purge these voters. They'd already come to that conclusion. We showed them the evidence. So they literally said, we're not going to follow this law. It's in court, but because they stalled the GOP, those voters got to vote. And again, you know, in Wisconsin, I just want to mention this, these are not illegal voters, despite what Agent Orange, your commander-in-chief, says. These are voters simply attempting to vote while black. You know, again, I brought up Sequana Taylor. You know, this supervisor in Milwaukee County was um, going to be removed because she supposedly left Milwaukee. She's a county supervisor, but again, voting while black. Because of the resistance by the Democratic and leadership, and particularly uh, the African-American activist Mandela Barnes, it's not a minor part of this discussion. You know, black folk were really fighting over these issues. Wisconsin was saved for Biden. It's not a matter of whether you're for or against Biden. It's a matter of the voters in Wisconsin actually got to choose this time, unlike four years ago. So Biden's going to squeak that one through. But I'm very concerned about the purges. And then finally, I'm also concerned about the non-count of mail-in votes. We're not being told how many votes have been rejected. And we need to find that out. 1.9 million votes that were cast in precinct in 2016 were rejected. And I'm very concerned about the mail-in ballots. And that's what um, you know, Trump is going to court to do, to try to stop the count of the ballots. I said he, he, he said he wanted to stop the voting. I know that was his dream. But uh, he may still try to uh, stop the count. Same thing. Yeah. 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 I heard uh, there was uh, one commentator on TV last night who kept saying, stop the vote. You know, and, and I was like, you know, stop the count. That's what's really going on. It's, it's the count. It's not the vote. So, Greg, has the Democratic Party figured this out? Well, I can tell you, I've spoken to John Ossoff. He gets it right away. I know Kamala Harris mm-hmm. has told a member of our team that it keeps her up at night. But you've got an African-American, that's an African-American official, let's not forget our, you know, the, what may be our first female vice president. 
So it does keep her up at night. But how many white politicians are kept up at night, I can't tell you, and whether they're ready to react. And now, again, in Wisconsin, I think the fact that Mandela Barnes made a difference. But in Michigan, it got close because the Democrats just didn't reverse the policies of the Republicans. They didn't purge more voters, but they did not act and think about putting back 313,000 Michigan voters who had been purged from the voters by the GOP under just the most cockamamie excuses to get rid of voters of color. It was, it was ugly, but it has not been reversed. So are they awake? I talked to the head of the National Bar Association, which is basically your African-American Bar Association, and she says, you know, we got a lot. Of, we still have tons of education to do with the politicians, including the Democrats, on protecting right. these votes. Now, when the votes are being counted, when mail-in ballots are being counted, the first step is to look at the outside of the envelope at the signature and compare it with the signature in the voter registration book, just like they do when you show up in person. That's a Mm -hmm. biometric way of, you know, it's very, very difficult to fake a signature. And a lot of these get rejected. Are the people who are overseeing this, is there like a Democrat and a Republican and they can they can challenge it? And the the Republican might say, oh, that's from Atlanta. I'm going to challenge that. Or the Democrat might say, hey, that's from rural, you know, uh, Georgia. I'm going to challenge that. Or is it a nonpartisan process entirely? Well, we have 52 voting jurisdictions in America with 52 different rules. And, Uh, (laughs) And they're all different. And one of the problems is so let me give you a stat that's pretty ugly. In 16, we had 141,000 mail-in ballots rejected over someone challenging a signature. Now, we don't have 141,000 forgery experts in America, so why are they rejecting these ballots? And overwhelmingly, it's 300% more likely you lose your ballot if you're black or Hispanic than if you're white. That's the problem. The challenges are going to against Democrats of color. Yeah, I got it. Greg Pallast, gregpallast.com, his latest book, How Trump Stole 2020. Thank you, Greg. You're the best, Tom. Thanks. Back at you. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Stick around. Back with more here on the Tom Hartman Program. Right after this, the place where despair is not an option. Ronnie in New Berlin, Wisconsin. Hey, Ronnie, what's up? Hi there. Thanks for taking my call. I got to tip my hat to you, how you end your show, you know, get active, be the change and all of that. I did get active this year. I've never given to a campaign and I donated to multiple campaigns. I wrote postcards to swing states. I talked about the difference between Biden and Trump to a lot of people. And I ended up working at a poll station helping people vote. And it was wow, Ronnie. very... I tip my hat to you. <laughs> it was very satisfying. I was a little afraid. Mm-hmm. I bit off more than I can chew because I worked from 6 a.m. until close. But just mm-hmm. the adrenaline that I had, the day just flew by. And I was working in a very Republican area. And I knew that that area was going to go for Trump. And it did. But... At the end of the night, we had to go through all the ballots and just look for write-ins. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, write-ins just for the presidency. So, you know, you're looking, Mm -hmm. you're looking. Well, as you're looking to see if there's a write-in, you can also see if it's Trump or Biden. And I was overwhelmed by how many Biden votes that there actually were in this very red area. So Mm -hmm. little by little, we are making inroads in that city and county. But what I wanted to talk about was... Voter ID, 
I know how we all feel about this on the left, but I got to tell you, without voter ID, it would be so hard to understand what a lot of people say because they don't want to say their name and address out loud. Some people have accents. Some people, I'm a mailman and I have seen every last name imaginable. I saw so many last names Tuesday that I had never seen before. So having that ID pressed up against the plexiglass, mm-hmm. uh, it just made it so much easier to figure out what people were saying and, and their address too. So I understand the problems with it, but boy, oh boy, it really was helpful on election day. Sure, sure. Well, that's the difference between requiring it and, hey, can you show me your ID so I can figure out how do you spell your name? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I got it. But did you sense or did you see any partisanship among the fellow poll workers or people pretty rigorous about not revealing their political opinions? No, it was you could not tell who was who. Um, uh, mm-hmm. everyone got along. No one was saying anything partisan. No one was, you know, leaning one way or another. Um, you know, anytime that there was a, a first time voter, we, we cheered as they put their, their ballot in the, in the reader. Um, and it was, it was just a lot of good camaraderie. We were all there to do the right thing. And any of these Trump supporters and Trump himself, who's like, you know, any kind of, Uh, chicanery that goes on at the polls and cheating at the polls there is so much double checking you're working two people there is two supervisors there's multiple people around there's no cheating going on at the polls yeah good ronnie thank you thanks for the reassurance and 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 again a tip of a hat to you for all everything that you're doing ronnie thank you so much here on the tom hartman program the place where smart people get their news This is the Tom Hartman Program. For the Tom Hartman Book Club today, we're reading from George Packer's book, Our Man. uh, The subtitle is Richard Holbrook and the End of the American Century. This is from the uh, prologue. Holbrook? Yes, I knew him. I can't get his voice out of my head. I can hear it saying, you haven't read that book? You really need to read it. Saying, I feel, and I hope this doesn't sound too self-satisfied, that in a very difficult situation where nobody has the answer... I at least know what the overall questions and moving parts are. Saying, gotta go, Hillary's on the line. That voice, calm, nasal, a trace of older New York, a sing-song cadence when he was being playful, but always doing something to you, cajoling, flattering, bullying, seducing, needling, analyzing, one-upping you, applying continuous pressure like a strong underwater current so that by the end of the conversation, even two minutes on the phone, you found yourself far out from where you'd started, unsure how you got there, and mysteriously exhausted. He was 6'1", but he seemed bigger. He had long, skinny limbs and a barrel chest and broad, square shoulder bones, on top of which sat his strangely small head, and encased within it the sleepless brain. His feet were so far from his trunk that as his body wore down and the blood stopped circulating properly, they swelled up and became marbled red and white like steak. He had special shoes made and carried extra socks in his leather attache case, sweating through half a dozen pairs a day, stripping them off on long flights and draping them over his seat pocket in first class, or else cramming used socks next to the classified documents in his briefcase. He wrote a book about ending the war in Bosnia, the place in history that he always craved, though it was never enough, with his feet planted in a Brookstone Shiatsu foot massager. One morning, he showed up late for a meeting in the Secretary of State's suite at the Waldorf Astoria in his stocking feet. 
shirt untucked and fly half zipped, padding around the room and picking grapes off a fruit basket, while Madeleine Albright's furious stare tracked his every move. During a video conference call from the UN mission in New York, his feet were propped up on a chair, while down in the White House Situation Room, their giant distortion completely filled the wall screen and so disrupted the meeting that President Clinton's national security advisor finally ordered a military aide to turn off the video feed. Holbrook put his feet up everywhere, in the White House, on other people's desks and coffee tables, for relief and for advantage. Near the end, it seemed as if all his troubles were collecting in his feet. Atrial fibrillation, marital tension, thwarted ambition, conspiring colleagues, hundreds of thousands of air miles, corrupt foreign leaders, a war that would not yield to the relentless force of his will. But at the other extreme of his feet, the ice blue eyes were on perpetual alert. Their light told you that his intelligence was always awake and working. They captured nearly everything and gave almost nothing away. Like one-way mirrors, they looked outward, not inward. I never knew anyone quicker to size up a room, an adversary, a newspaper article, a set of variables in a complex situation, even his own imminent death. The ceaseless appraising told me of a manic spirit churning somewhere within the low voice and languid limbs. Once in the 1980s, he was walking down Madison Avenue when an acquaintance passed him and called out, Hi, Dick. Holbrook watched the man go by, then turned to his companion. I wonder what he meant by that. Yes, his curly hair never obeyed the comb, and his suit always looked rumpled, and he couldn't stay off the phone or TV, and he kept losing things, and he ate as much food as fast as he could, once slicing open the tip of his nose on a clamshell and bleeding through a pair of cloth napkins. Yes, he was in almost every way a disorderly president but his eyes never lost focus. So much thought, so little inwardness. He could not be alone. He might have had to think about himself. Maybe that was something he couldn't afford to do. Leslie Gelb, Holbrook's friend of 45 years and recipient of multiple daily phone calls, would butt into a monologue and ask, what's Obama like? Holbrook would give a brilliant analysis of the president. How do you think you affect Obama? Holbrook had nothing to say. Where did it come from, that blind spot behind his eyes that masked his inner life? It was a great advantage over the rest of us because the propulsion from idea to action was never broken by self-scrutiny. It was also a great vulnerability, and finally, it was fatal. I can hear the voice saying, it's your problem now, not mine. He loved speed. Franz Klammer's fearless downhill run for the gold in 1976 was a feat Holbrook never finished admiring until you almost believed that he had been the one throwing himself into those dangerous turns at Innsbruck. He pedaled his bike straight into a swarming Saigon intersection while talking about the war to a terrified blonde journalist just arrived from Manhattan. He zipped through Paris traffic while lecturing his State Department boss on the status of the Vietnam peace talks. His Humvee careened down the dirt switchbacks of the Mount Ingman road above besieged Sarajevo, chased by the armored personnel carrier with his doomed colleagues. He loved mischief. It made him endless fun to be with and got him into unnecessary trouble. In 1967, he was standing outside Robert McNamara's office on the second floor of the Pentagon, a 26-year-old junior official hoping to catch the Secretary of Defense on his way in or out for no reason other than self-advancement. A famous colonel was waiting, too, a decorated paratrooper back from Vietnam, where Holbrook had known him. Everything about the colonel was pressed and creased, his uniform shirt, his face, his pants carefully tucked into his boots and delicately bloused about around his calves. He must have spent the whole morning on them. That looks really beautiful, Holbrook said, and he reached down and yanked a pants leg all the way out of its boot. The colonel started yelling. Holbrook laughed. George Packer's book, Power Man.
Well, Trump is trying to sow discord. Of course, he claimed that he had won. Then he said, uh, we got to stop the vote. Well, we did stop the vote. And then he said, well, we got to stop counting the vote. No, that ain't going to happen. Now he said, there's irregularities in Wisconsin. This is because Wisconsin is obviously going for Joe Biden. He wants an immediate recount, right? Over at Fox News, they're starting to talk about what is voter intent? Now, why are they saying that? Well, because in some cases, mail-in ballots, a lot of people are voting for the first time by mail-in ballot all across the country. We've been doing it here in Oregon for 20 years. 20 years. No problems. It works great. We have a Republican Secretary of State who administers our elections. The Democrat won in the election, but, you know, up until January, we've got a Republican Secretary of State who does a fine job of administering our elections here in Oregon. All vote by mail. It works. Works just fine. But the thing about vote by mail is that when people who have never voted before get vote by mail, you know, sometimes they don't quite know what to do and they don't always read the directions carefully. People are in a hurry. People are trying to get to work. People are freaked out. People are, you know, whatever. And so, you know, there's this little bubble that you're supposed to fill in with a black pen. Well, some people put an X through the bubble as a way of saying, yes, this is it, or put a check mark in it. Well, the machine will kick that out as an unreadable ballot. Or sometimes they'll, you know, fill in the bubble for the candidate that they like, and then in the write in a name thing below that, they'll write in the name of the same person. Again, it'll get kicked out of the scanner that's counting the votes. So then it goes to a couple of people. Typically, a Republican and a Democrat election, uh, these are election officials, election judges, and they will decide whether or not that ballot should be counted or considered spoiled. You know, it's so screwed up that we just can't count it. And if it will be counted, who the vote goes to. And so, you know, on a lot of these ballots, there's a check mark or an X rather than a filled in bubble. And they're sitting there going, well, I think that we should give this to the person whose who's box they checked. Well, over at Fox News, they're starting to say, well, should we be doing that? And the reason why, of course, is because there's all these new mail-in ballots coming from all across the country, mostly from Democrats who took COVID seriously. The Republicans who are not taking COVID seriously, you know, showed up at the polls. And we know this, this bifurcation has happened. It's weird if this was an electoral strategy, by the way, just just to go off on a tangent for a moment here. But that that's why Fox News is doing this. They're trying to cast doubt on the legitimacy of the count of the mail in ballots. Right. But think about this for a second. Democrats have been following the science and believing the science, and they're more reluctant to vote in person. Republicans have been believing the lies, the Trump lies and the right wing hate radio and Fox News lies that say that the coronavirus is just like the flu and no big deal. And it's a Democratic hoax and it's going to go away after November 4th, on November 4th. Remember Trump predicted on November 4th, all these Democrat, he calls them Democrat states because he's following Joe McCarthy's old shtick of never say Democratic. That sounds too nice. Always say Democrat with emphasis on the rat. But anyhow, Trump is saying, you know, all, all these Democrat states, you know, quite, quite, quite. But what if, what if this was actually like, you know, six months ago, back in April, when the White House decided after April 7th, when they discovered that the virus was hitting black and brown people with more lethality, more, it was more lethal, it was killing more black and brown people as a percentage of the population than, or the, the percentage of people with infections, than it was white people. 
and they decided at that point, and I've, I've talked about this at length and written about it, and I, it's not even in dispute. They decided at that point, in fact, Jared Kushner said, you know, this is going to hurt the blue state governors more than us. It's only blue states where we've got big outbreaks. At that point in time, it was New York, Connecticut, and New Jersey. Let's just, you know, let's just let it ride. But what if they also said, you know, if the Democrats are frightened by this and we can convince Republicans not to be frightened by this, then the Democrats will be doing mail-in votes and the Republicans will be voting in person. And if we can stop the counting of the mail-in votes or even slow down the mail so those mail-in votes don't get there and don't get counted, we can win an election. I mean, was this an intentional strategy that was put into place back in April or May or June and that where they brought in Louis DeJoy and, and, you know, they just laid this out as a strategy and they got their lawyers together and they said, this is what we're going to do. We need to start challenging these mail-in votes. Was, was this an intentional strategy that they've been doing for six or eight months? Or was this something that they just cobbled together in the last month or two? If it's the last month or two, then, you know, it's kind of happened out in, in the open. But if this was part of their plan starting back in March or April or May or June, that is a level of, this goes beyond devious and perfidy. I mean, willing to let two, a quarter million people die in order to scare people away from voting in person so that you can win an election. In other words, if this is the case, if this actually, if, if the strategy that they are playing out right now, if the strategy that they have been playing out right in front of all of us loudly for the last month, and Trump has been talking about this out loud, if that strategy was put into place more than a month ago, it means that part of that strategy was to let Americans die. Are you following this? Do you get this? I mean, part of the strategy was to let Americans die because that would frighten people into not voting in person. And then, you know, the other half of it was, of course, to go on Fox News and go on right wing hate radio and promote the idea that, oh, it's just the flu. Don't worry. I mean, there was a polling place down in Texas where three of the poll workers refused to wear masks which was causing people to show up with masks and they were going, wait a minute, no mask, I'm, I'm leaving, I'm out of here. And the guy at the door who was handing out disposable styluses, disposable pens for the voting machine, the guy at the door that you had to walk within a foot of to get into the polling place was not wearing a mask. And when he was asked about this by a reporter, he said, why do I have to wear a mask? I'm not over 80 and I'm not in a nursing home which is the meme that they've been pushing on Fox News and Right Wing Hate Radio, that, you know, the only people who really die from this are over 80 in nursing homes. Well, disproportionately, those folks do die, yes, but we had a 13-year-old die a couple days ago. People in their 30s and 40s are dying in substantial numbers. People in their 50s and 60s, huge numbers relative to the flu. I mean, we've got a quarter million people dead, or nearly. Will be in a, in a week or so. If killing Americans or letting Americans die was part of Donald Trump's electoral strategy, then there should be hell to pay. Now, the Official Records Act would require the White House to keep records of any of those meetings, but I'm guessing that they're not going to, you know, they ignore the Hatch Act. They're going to ignore the Official Records Act. And they're probably running the paper shredders overtime right now. And certainly once 
Biden is declared the victor, the shredders will start running in the White House 24-7 for the next two months, which is just mind-boggling. Anyhow, we're processing the election, <laughs> all of us here collectively. I'll be picking up your phone calls. Karen in Bennington, Vermont. Hey, Karen, what's on your mind? Well, can you believe that the Trump campaign has already put out a lawsuit to halt the voting in Michigan? That doesn't yes. make behind. Yeah. So <laughs> what he knows is that the, most of the mail-in ballots or most of the ballots that have not yet been counted are coming out of the Detroit area, out of Wayne County and Macomb County. And they're going to be 70, 80 percent for Biden. So he's trying to minimize the margin of victory. I don't think he's going to succeed with this. Oh, I hope not. I'm petrified. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for the call. Kent in Klamath Falls, Oregon. Hey, Kent, what's up? Hey, I had a question for you. Let's assume that uh, everything goes the way it's trending right now and that uh, Pelosi keeps uh, speakership and McConnell keeps the Senate, but Biden gets elected president. Do you see any hope to retain the uh, Affordable Care Act? Well, if the Supreme Court strikes it down, no. I mean, that's, that's going to be the big thing. Uh, th those arguments are going to be held next week in the, before the Supreme Court, and we'll probably hear the results in, in January, February. It might be a blessing in disguise, though, Kent, if the Supreme Court strikes down the Affordable Care Act, and now that Amy Coney Barrett is on the court, that becomes a probability rather than a possibility. Um, if they do that, then the question that's going to confront America is, okay, what replaces this? And if the Republicans retain control over the Senate, it's going to be more difficult. But in fact, it's going to be very difficult. But I think that the pressure for something like Medicare for all, or at least the public option, you know, Pete Buttigieg used to call it Medicare for anybody who wants it. You know, Obama campaigned on it in 2008. I think that that, that becomes highly probable. So, uh, you know, I, I'm not real flipped out about momentary or step-by-step right-wing victories when I think the, the larger trend is progressive across the country. So, uh, you know, I think that's something that might actually work. Thank you for the call. Sometimes Louise and I just crave a restaurant-quality dinner at home without doing all the work or driving. Well, Cook Unity is the first chef-to-you service delivering locally sourced meals from award-winning chefs right to your door every week. And it appears to be less expensive than other delivery options. Go to cookunity.com slash Hartman with two N's or enter the code Hartman with two N's before checking out for 50% off your first week. We just received our first meals from Cook Unity and what a huge difference it is to get the best chefs in the country to bring creative, delicious meals to us and you every week. Every meal is handcrafted by chefs and made in local micro kitchens, not large production facilities. We just had the chipotle maple glazed salmon with green beans and mango pico de gallo. It had everything we love in a meal. They have all sorts of options like vegan, paleo, pescatarian, gluten-free, and more. Menus are posted two weeks in advance so you have plenty of time to choose. Experience chef-quality meals every week delivered right to your door. Go to cookunity.com slash Hartman with two N's or enter the code Hartman with two N's before checking out for 50% off your first week. That's 50% off your first week by using the code Hartman or going to cookunity.com slash Hartman. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available 
on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. On the Science Revolution this week, how a Green New Deal could save hundreds of thousands of lives. Also, Dr. Justin Frank submitted an amicus brief to the Supreme Court on Bush v. Gore and is talking about psychoanalytic and family dynamic perspective in that context. I weigh in on how the GOP is an organized gang of sociopaths. Meet the 14-year-old climate activist, Haven Coleman. She'll be discussing how youth climate activists are leading the push for climate action in the Democratic Party and why they believe voting for climate in 2020 is so critical. And in geeky science, why health care for all is a climate solution. Tune into the Science Revolution wherever fine podcasts are available. You know, we're talking about the election and it's clearly trending toward Biden. And uh, the more Trump whines about mail-in voting, the more you know it's going for Biden. I mean, Trump's time is numbered. We may not grab the Senate. We'll probably know in three or four days, maybe tomorrow, maybe today. I don't know. We'll see. But, uh, you know, we don't know yet. But I think it's fairly safe to say at this point, Trump is toast. And it's looking like Pennsylvania is almost certainly going to go to Biden. The vote counting has stopped in Allegheny County, one county, uh, as a result of the intervention of a court, uh, you know, a lawsuit from the Trump folks. But it's supposed to be resumed. As we've talked about earlier in this program, you know, in previous days, the reason that the vote is coming in slow in so many of these cities is because their their voting systems have historically been underfunded by I was going to say conservative controlled or Republican controlled legislatures and in most cases that's the case but I think you could even more broadly say white controlled legislatures <laughs> Democrats were the racists in Georgia up until the 60s and still had a real you know there were still a few of them hanging on right up until the 90s But, you know, the bottom line is that we have always underfunded schools in neighborhoods that have large minority communities, education facilities and pretty much everything else, you know, uh, and made it harder for black entrepreneurs, made it harder for black business, small business people, made it harder to vote. And we see this in the lines, right? Every year, what do we see on TV? All kinds of pictures of long lines of mostly African-Americans waiting to vote. So, you know, there's a bunch of election stuff happening and throughout the show today, whatever you'd like to say or, you know, whatever thoughts you have on the election. There are a few things I want to point out, though. Number one, Mitch McConnell, according to two different sources, Jonathan Swan at Axios and CNBC, Eamon Javers, a reporter from CNBC, are both reporting that Mitch McConnell is saying that he is not going to allow the Senate to confirm any cabinet members for Joe Biden's cabinet, Secretary of State, Secretary of the Treasury, he's not going to let that happen if they are, quote, radical liberals, end quote. And that Joe Biden is apparently ready to go along with that and appoint, quote, centrists. So instead of Elizabeth Warren running the Treasury Department, we get, what, banker Jamie Dimon? This is wrong. This is just wrong. And, you know, what Donald Trump did 
when he had people that he knew couldn't get past a Senate confirmation. And that was because they were nuts, right? I mean, you know, one of them, the former director of national intelligence, Richard Grinnell, this morning, Jacob Soboroff on MSNBC has chased him around a parking lot in Las Vegas. The former director of national intelligence, acting director, in other words, never confirmed by the Senate, but he was the director of national intelligence. That guy is now saying, oh, yeah, there's voter fraud going on. There's election fraud going on right here in Vegas. And Soboroff is like, can you give me one piece of evidence? No, no, I'm going to go hide my bus. But this is what's going on. So if Biden wants to, I'm trying to be very careful with my language here. If Biden doesn't want to have progressives in his cabinet, he now has a ready-made excuse in Mitch McConnell. And two different news sources are reporting that he's ready to take that excuse. Something that I think, you know, we should all let him know we disagree with. Yesterday, Biden tweeted, it was a tweet, no doubt it was his staff, it was excerpted from a speech he'd given earlier in the day, in which he said words to the effect of, uh, once the election's over, we need to set aside the angry rhetoric. We are not enemies, we are simply political competitors or adversaries. Set aside the angry rhetoric? I replied, I tweeted back to him, don't you friggin' dare. And it was fascinating to look at the just just outpouring of tweets from Democrats to the Joe Biden, the official Joe Biden account saying, don't you dare or words to that effect. But it looks like it's begun. Anyhow, you know, we'll continue this conversation going forward. First, we have to get Biden in the White House. That would be a good step. The other thing that I think is uh, worth noting, I want to get into this at some length, is I was talking yesterday about the impact of talk radio. There's a great diary over on Daily Kos right now. It's, in fact, it was the number one diary. It may well still be the biggest political mistake in history. It's the radio stupid, pointing out that there are radio stations all across the country, 24-7, $5 billion a year worth of promotion handed to the Republican Party by right-wing radio hosts, my colleagues, Rush Limbaugh, Sean Hannity, Michael Savage, Mark Levin. These people literally reach tens of millions of people a week. I believe they reach more than 100 million people in any given month. And the biggest push has been Hispanic or Spanish language talk radio. And this is, you know, something that we really need to be paying attention to. This Wednesday... Limbaugh is yelling with royal sir. This is from this uh, by Sir Taniot, this uh, diary on Daily Coast. This morning, Wednesday at noon, Limbaugh is yelling with royal, I'm never wrong, royal certitude that Trump already won. And Kamala Kami Harris, quote, the hoe of Joe and the hoe, quote, it rhymes, is wrong to say every ballot has to be counted, insinuating Democrats are cheating by counting ballots instead of votes. Roger Stone boasted in an interview that he used talk radio to stop the 2,000 vote recounts. Limbaugh is on stations all over Florida, but also the Spanish talk radio is all over the place. And uh, this from the New York Times, from a piece by Patricia Mazai and uh, Nicole Pelroth, is that 
in Miami, Spanish language radio show, Cara Tarde de Car Carinas Moncada y, I can't even say it all, pushed debunked claims late Tuesday that Republican poll watchers had been barred from observing voting locations in Pennsylvania. It's a lie. In September, one of the show's co-hosts had pushed a conspiracy theory that a co-founder of Black Lives Matter was involved in devil worship. The hub of much of that information is South Florida. A Colombian political analyst in Sarasota, Florida, says he's worried about this misinformation. One of the largest Twitter, Spanish language Twitter accounts that is trashing Joe Biden and is saying that the election is being stolen from Donald Trump is actually based out of Colombia, a country with a right wing government that is tightly aligned with the Trump administration, with the Republicans in the Trump administration. This is a pretty shocking thing. You know, false news targeting Latinos trails the election is the headline in the New York Times. Robado, they falsely repeated again and again and in Spanish. In other words, robbed is what Robado means. George Soros is funding violent Antifa riots. Black Lives Matter and Biden are socialists. And the election is rigged against Trump. Spanish language accounts with huge followings on Facebook have falsely said that Trump won early on and that social media is censoring his win and Biden is cheating. I mean, it just goes on and on, right? All, it, it lies in Spanish. There are more Hispanics in America than African Americans and the Republicans have their sights on this group. And Americans need to wake up to this and get with the plan. Bruce in London, England, watching us on YouTube. Hey, Bruce, what's on your mind today? I want to know what your opinion is, whether or not the voting systems of America have been hacked by the Republicans in this election and possibly in the previous election, simply because every poll was wrong. And is it possible they've been able to electronically hack the voting systems, but underestimated the amount of paper, mail, and ballots that came in and that Trump made sure that they want, and the Republicans made sure they wanted to be counted after the in-person election voting was done? What is your opinion? Do you think it's possible? And if, it's, if so, shouldn't the Democrats be ashamed that they didn't put in safeguards to guard against voting systems being hacked? Yes, it is possible. It is entirely possible. And it's entirely possible that it has happened in multiple states. And it's entirely possible it's been happening ever since 2002. And then how could they account for Biden winning Maine by, I think, seven points and Susan Collins winning Maine by eight points? That's a lot of ticket splitting, isn't it? It is, but Maine is, is notoriously independent. I mean, they had an independent governor for years. Maine is very proud of the fact that they're not one political party or another. I'm not so curious or concerned about that, but it is entirely possible, and that possibility needs to be cleaned up. There's a number of us who've been screaming about black box voting from day one, you know, and Bev Harris, and, and there's a lot of people who've been pointing this out, Bruce, and it's something because that we need to- you can't really be a democracy if you can have an election be corrupted by hacking. And every year when they have that big hackers convention in Las Vegas, the star of the show is always some 12-year-old or 14-year-old who within 15 minutes hacked into a voting machine. And I mean, from well, start, let's hire from one scratch, of those 12 or 14-year-olds no to, to provide the software guards against hacking. Yeah, or, yeah. You know, they just uh, spent uh, over $2 I mean, billion dollars on an election. You'd think they could hire a few 12 or 14-year-olds to end up hacking into the system to create software safeguards that they won't be hacked again. 
Yeah, I, I understand what you're saying, Bruce, and I don't disagree. I think a, a stronger solution would be to pass a federal law mandating open source machines. If you're going to have voting machines, you know, I'm not anti-technology, although, you know, they should be producing a clear paper trail or a paper ballot. They should be essentially ballot marking machines like they use in California. And I realize that there's some concerns about the California ones because of the barcode on them. But in any case, they should be ballot marking machines that are using open source software and publicly available hardware. And there are companies that are offering those kind of machines now. They should be mandated by law. Bruce, thanks for the call. And thanks for watching us on YouTube there in, in the UK. Quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, all into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. It's accessible from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash Hartman with two N's. netsuite.com slash Hartman. That's netsuite.com slash Hartman. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Susan in Phoenix, Arizona. Hey, Susan, what's up? Oh, I just wanted to share that our voting is going really well here and the counting as well, and I'd like to explain a little. We have Adrian Fontessen, who's a Democrat, and really set up Maricopa County to have an exemplary setup. This is mm -hmm. concluded by a guy named John Brakey, who's a big election activist. And what happens is, by October 20th, we are notified right away when they receive our ballot. We're also notified when our signature's been validated, and we're also told when it's about to be counted. October wow. 20th, they started counting the early voting, and they had that pretty much done by the election. And the election came in. Our first round showed our state was pretty blue, especially Maricopa County. But then they started count votes of the day, then, of course, more Republicans voted. Now what's left, what's being counted now, are 420,000 votes that were early voting on the last few days. It came in in the last few days and also the day of the election. So that's where we right. are right Which, now. And with the, um, Right, and the day of voting, the election of course, is probably going to be fairly heavy toward Trump, isn't it? No, we think that Biden will retain it because mail-in voting is going mm -hmm. Democratic this time. Biden will win in our state. Um, I hope so. Susan, from your lips to God's really ears. Susan, thanks for the update and thanks for the, the ray of hope. It's great to hear from you. Reginald in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. Hey, Reginald, what's up? McConnell telling Biden about 
what type of people to pick for his cabinet, Biden should tell him he's not the president I am. And number two, right. Biden need to take a page out of Trump playbook. If Mitch don't want to pass none of his cabinet appointment, he should make all of them active. I agree. He doesn't need McConnell. He doesn't need McConnell to get people through the courts either. Excellent point, Reginald. Uh, there's also the United States Postal Service is being asked by federal D.C. court to expedite the remaining ballots to election boards in North Carolina and Pennsylvania. They can be received up until today to be counted over the next day or two. And, uh, you know, we'll see how this how this comes out. Apparently, 150,000 ballots were delivered yesterday by the Postal Service. You know, a lot of these in Atlanta. So how this shakes out, these were all obviously people who postmarked their ballots before Election Day. And then post office, because Louis DeJoy slowed down the mail so badly. Weirdly, the swing states took the biggest hits. I'm guessing those are the places where most of the high-speed sorting machines were dismantled. Although we don't have a complete list because the post office has not been even remotely transparent with us about what this, you know, about any of this. We'll see where this goes. Mitch McConnell, by the way, is also saying that he may not nominate, he may not allow any nominations or implying that he may not allow any federal judge nominations for Joe Biden if Joe Biden wins the election. He's going to do the same thing he did to Obama. The last two years, the Obama administration, they allowed one judge on the bench so that when Trump came into office, there was, you know, just a little short of 200 vacancies on the federal bench that were supposed to be Obama judges, not to mention Merrick Garland. I mean, Merrick Garland was simply the extension of a process that Mitch McConnell had started a whole year earlier and that now he's saying he's going to reprise. I think that Joe Biden should nominate his, in the most progressive judges he can find, and then when Mitch McConnell refuses to hold hearings in the Senate, he should notify Mitch McConnell that it's apparent that, people were pushing Obama to do this, by the way, notify Mitch McConnell that, you know, apparently the Senate is abrogating its right to advise the president on judicial nominations and offer their consent. And so we are going to assume since you're refusing to do this, that you are consenting to these people, and we're going to go ahead and install them on the federal bench and swear them in. Will Biden play hardball? We'll see. We'll see. Meanwhile, U.S. election law bars the stationing of armed officials, quote, at any place where a general or special election is held. And now the principal associate deputy attorney general Richard Donahue is saying, no, we can put armed agents in these places where the votes are being counted. Some people, particularly civil rights uh, lawyers, are saying this is an effort to intimidate people. You know, the vote counting process is one that's just very straightforward. It's nonpartisan. These are, these are people who have volunteered for the good of their community. They're not there to be Democrats or Republicans. And, you know, it just needs to be allowed. Scott Walker former right-wing cokehead governor of Wisconsin. You know, uh, Trump is suing for a recount in Wisconsin because Biden won Wisconsin by tens of thousands of votes. So Scott Walker says 20,000 is a high hurdle. Right now, Biden's ahead by about 20,000 votes. He says after the recount in the 2011 race for the Wisconsin Supreme Court, there was a swing of 300 votes. After the recount in the 2016 presidential race in Wisconsin, the count went up by 131 votes. So, you know, they're pretty accurate in counting their votes. They're doing a very, very good job of that. So meanwhile, this poll worker down in Florida 
says, quote, Trump's faithful followers, this is from a, a diary over on Daily Kos, Florida poll worker details the physical and verbal abuse he experienced from Trump cult members. Trump's faithful followers blocked access in and out of our polling place with vehicles, interfered with traffic by standing in the streets and waving flags, and directly interfered with voters in the precinct by blasting train horns from jacked up trucks parked in the polling place where voters were trying to vote. A man decorated head to toe with cheap Trump memorabilia poked me repeatedly in the chest, Kasky recalls. Others threatened and harassed a group of teenage girls who arrived on election day to peacefully and quietly sit behind a student's demand action on climate change banner. These guys are bullies. They're punks. Talk media for the sane among us. Yeah, there's still some of us left. Amazing, isn't it? Jennifer in Portland, Oregon. Hey, Jennifer, what's up? So I have found a canvassing curing ballots site. So you would text bank and phone call to cure ballots in states like Georgia and North Carolina. From what I understand, I have yet to take the training myself. But from what I understand, it is anyone that has had a rejected ballot for any reason. And I'm assuming oh, it's probably just calling, yeah, calling and texting those people who have been notified to try and push them to take care of that. And at this point, I wonder if people are kind of, you know, thinking, oh, it doesn't matter or whatever. But, you know, if we can get a few thousand more ballots cured in that way, I think it might be yeah. helpful. So there is a campaign where you can help folks cure their ballots? Is that the deal? There is. Uh, there's several ways to do it. I mean, I found out, I think I saw a Twitter link, but can also Google through mobilize.us. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's several campaigns that come up for that. But I think North Carolina and Georgia are kind of the, the hotspots for that kind of thing. But I know you don't like to promote websites you haven't checked out, but I do have a link to a specific one that will let you text Okay, bank, I'll trust especially. you. So it's organizing.nextgenamerica.org. Oh, that's Tom Steyer's group. Yeah, he's they're solid. Okay. Next Gen America. Cool, yeah. Is, yeah. In fact, he was on our show yesterday. But, yeah, nice. that's the group that Tom Steyer started. Cool. Okay. Cool. So you can text okay. bank. Jennifer, thank bank. you. Good talking with you. The Hartman Report is a free daily podcast, seven days a week, and you can find our entire three-hour podcast over at TomHartman.com. Steve in Brighton, New York. Hey, Steve, what's up? Tom, I'd like to maybe educate you a little bit about a fact. The New York Times, the Washington Post counted the votes in Florida for every county, and they found out that Bush won the state. Now, you no, never saw that. It, it was never published. Uh, hey, I just say, did you say Bush won the state or lost the state? I, you're, 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 no, Bush, you're no, Bush, Bush won it by counting all the votes. No, Bush did not win votes. We've talked about this on this program a number of times. I've written about it in several places. If you go back and read that New York Times article that was published a year after the election, it was published in November. In fact, I think it was November 17th. I might be wrong, but it was published in November of 2001. And it was after 9-11. It was just a month after 9-11. That article has the headline, 
The headline says that Gore's strategy would have failed in Florida. Gore's strategy was to sue to have a recount in three counties, Miami-Dade and two others. I forget what they were, but it was the three right around Miami. The recount showed that that would not have gotten Gore enough votes to win. If you go down to the 17th paragraph in that article, it says, however, Al Gore won by any measure, intent of voter, overvotes, undervotes, any measure, Al Gore won the election. But they buried that lead. And when Salzberger, the publisher of the New York Times, was asked about several months later, why did you bury the lead on that story? Why did you put a headline that suggested that Bush actually legitimately won Florida when, in fact, Al Gore, the recount showed that Al Gore would have won Florida? And he said, because 9-11 just had happened and we did not want to diminish the stature or legitimacy legitimacy was the word he used, the legitimacy of the presidency of George W. Bush. Tom, that's a lot of bull. Yeah, well, Steve, I'm sorry. You'll just go read the New York Times article. You can call me back and quote to me from it if you'd like. And it wasn't just the New York Times, by the way. David in Columbus, Ohio. Hey, David, what's on your mind? I was Russell Judge in Franklin County, small precinct. I think we need to simplify our elections a little bit. Our uh, computers went down for um, verifying who was was and was not registered. We did it by paper and it worked fine. We had a lot of people backed up, but I think we got through them pretty quickly. David, I gotta run, but thank you for the call. Oh, welcome back. Tom Hartman here with you and Heidi in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Hey, Heidi, what's up? Hi there, yeah, so I was just listening about the curing ballots and I was doing that for Florida. But if you go to democracydocket.com, you'll see the list of places. And essentially what's happened is most often ballots get rejected now for the signature mismatch, right? So just another extra (laughs) thing they're doing to us. And so if your signature doesn't match, say, maybe your driver's license signature that they have on file, they reject that ballot and doesn't get counted. And curing it means you reach out to that voter because supervisors of elections at least in Florida, don't notify you. Mm. Uh, And you would just need to sign an affidavit with a picture of your ID and send it in. So people are calling those voters whose ballots were rejected that they don't even know they were rejected. So that's the approach. But Democracy Docket is... mm -hmm. Democracy Docket dot... Dot com. Yeah, so Democracy Docket, D-O-C-K-E-T. And I had found... And then there's NextGenAmerica dot... Com, I think it is, or .org, whatever it is, also. Perfect. I'm sorry, I yep. interrupted you, Heidi. No, I think that's great. Love everything you do, and if people can support that, that'll help Georgia, Nevada, and Arizona, I think, are the three opportunities. That's great. Heidi, thank you so much for the call and for the uh, confirmation of that. Blaine in Jacksonville. Hey, Blaine, what's up? Hey, Tom. Thanks for all you do. So I was wondering your thoughts on the election in Bolivia four years ago, and the one that also just happened recently, and thinking if maybe Mr. Trump might want to do the same move where they had the false reports that were only shown recently to be false, and so everyone believed it, and the far right had um, the military coup, and etc. Right. In Bolivia, the far right had uh, basically the billionaire class, or maybe the, it's multimillionaires down there, but the very wealthy, with a little help from their friends, you know, like the United States apparently, 
yeah. was spreading disinformation. And a lot of that disinformation was actually being spread on Facebook. But it was also being done through talk radio in Bolivia. And it was also being done through newspapers. And you're right. It took, it took them years to figure out that they'd all been lied to. And I think that that's been the Republican strategy for 40 years. You know, Ronald Reagan started lying to us. His initial inauguration, he said that, you know, the cause of your problems is government. It's, you know, government's not the solution to your problems. It's the cause of your problems, you know, which is just a lie, you know, right up front. I mean, it might be a cause for the problems for people like Charles Koch, who, you know, who don't want to have their pollution regulated, but it's not for the average person. So, yeah, Blaine, I think you're onto something. And I'm sorry, say it again. We need some social benefit, not socialism exactly but uh, thank you and that's true yeah, i just I'm, I'm, recently saw on facebook a friend of mine shared a false support um that i i'm sure was photoshopped that was like these many folks were uh supposed to vote and these many folks did which was suggesting fraud already so right yeah no it's it, it, lies are all over the place uh, I, you know facebook has just become a cesspool blaine thank you maya in northfield michigan am i saying your name right you are. Hi, Tom. How are you? Hey, good. What's up? Hey, so I have a theory and I've had a thought since, you know, this whole debacle started. How can Trump uh, avoid losing officially? You know, I think we all know he's lost <laughs> throughout his entire life, but officially losing. And I think the way he does that is probably if it's possible to step down uh, and just avoid prison, federal prison, and maybe let Pence take over so he can say, they stole the election. I'm not going to deal with this. I'm stepping down. What do you think? <laughs> mm-hmm. I, you know, I, we talked about this last week, that if Trump loses, what's he going to do? And I, my position, my guess is, and I, I put this at probably well over 50%, but I may be wrong. I don't know. I, I don't think Trump cares so much what history thinks of him. You know, I think that we've been watching that for five years, you know, in the primary as well. I think he cares more about whether he's going to make money and stay out of jail. He doesn't care about his reputation. He has no shame. He can't be shamed. So I don't think that he would be embarrassed by resigning a week before the inauguration so that he doesn't have to go to the inauguration ceremony and Mike Pence can pardon the entire Trump crime family. That's what I'm predicting. Yeah, I think so. Too. It might be more than a week in advance, but yeah. And then he'll just say, screw all of you, and he's going to head down to Mar-a-Lago and camp yeah, out in a state that voted for him. And yeah, yeah, or Russia. I mean, you know, it's. Yeah. I think he is a flight risk. I actually do. I think he is a flight risk. Maya, thanks a lot for the call. I got to run. It's the end of the show, but thank you. And uh, thanks so much for being with us today. We'll be back same time, same place. In the meantime, don't forget democracy isn't a spectator sport. No, it's not. It requires you. That's why it's called democracy. So get out there, get active. There's great stuff you can do. And curing ballots, go to the next gen America and check out the curing ballots thing. Uh, that's fascinating. Great to tag your it. Have a great afternoon. Be good to yourself and the people around you. Say, be, be kind to somebody. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com.